This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, Rebecca Larson. A Brief History is a supplemental episode of the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And today's episode is hosted by the most wonderful author and historian, Sarah Morris of the Tudor Travel Guide. Today, Sarah is going to tell us all about Acton Court. Hello, I'm Sarah, the Tudor Travel Guide, and today I'm going to be talking to you about a glorious Tudor location, Acton Court in Gloucestershire. Acton Court is really an exquisite example of a courtier's house from the early Tudor period. I'll say more about it in a moment, but probably the thing that makes Acton Court stand out is the fact that even today the house remains in its raw state and this makes it one of the most authentic Tudor properties in England. The manor house is located close to the village of Iron Acton which is in the Vale of Barclay about 15 kilometres northeast of Bristol, one of the major cities in the southwest of England. And during the Tudor period, it was owned by the Points family. Now, the original manor was built in the 13th century and the manorial complex contained three ranges which were all squeezed into the confines of a moat that entirely surrounded the property. But today, the person we most associated with Acton Court is Nicholas Points and he was alive during the reign of King Henry VIII. His grandfather had been a man of some substance and had served successfully under Henry VII. But it was his grandson, Nicholas, who as a young man was ambitious, well-connected and successful. And at the time of his inheritance was closely connected to Henry VIII's first minister, Thomas Cromwell. And he was also a personal friend of powerful and up-and-coming men such as Richard Cromwell and Richard Rich. All the available evidence suggests that in 1535, in anticipation of a visit by King Henry VIII and his then wife Anne Boleyn, Nicholas began an extensive building campaign which lasted until his death in 1556. But as no building records survive, the precise date of this massive redevelopment project is based on archaeological and not historical evidence. This includes the dating of tree ring samples from the house's roof timbers, which indicate a felling date of the spring of 1535. And this, of course, ties in almost precisely with reports of a stay in Acton Court of the royal couple, which was due to take place between Saturday the 21st and Monday the 23rd of August. 
Now, to accommodate the king and queen, points had an entire, or the entire, eastern medieval kitchen range demolished, and instead he built an accommodation block which was fit for royalty, including many features which were considered de rigueur for the time. The near tragedy of Acton Court, though, is that it was only in the 1970s that the true historical significance of the building came to light. By that time, it was a wreck and close to collapse. But thankfully for us, a huge amount of conservation work has been done on the building since that time. And although some of the ranges associated with Points' development of the house are now lost, the East Range, the range that was built to accommodate Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, still survives. So, in 1535... Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn were undergoing a three and a half month long summer progress and this took them through great swathes of Berkshire, Oxfordshire, Gloucestershire, Wiltshire and Hampshire. And about midway through the progress the couple came to Acton Court in Gloucestershire and as we've already said they were accommodated in the magnificent East Range. Unfortunately, the original layout of chambers on the ground floor has been lost since, for many years, Acton Court was leased out to tenant farmers and used as a farmhouse. It is likely, though, that it is here that Amberlynn was accommodated beneath the King's lodgings on the first floor, as had been the case at Barclay Castle, where the couple had just come from. However, the first floor suite... The suite that was occupied by King Henry VIII remains largely untouched and consists of three great chambers. First, the presence chamber, which was lit by a huge oriel window sited directly opposite where the king's throne and canopy of estate would have been. Beyond that, in the privy chamber was a privy or dining chamber. This would have been used privately by the king for dining or entertaining. And then beyond that, the third chamber, which was his bedchamber. We know that this also contained a large window which overlooked the formal gardens at Acton Court. And in fact, Henry's privy toilet or garderobe can still be seen today. It is absolutely extraordinary to look upon it and think that it was in this very place that Henry VIII, the great King of England, went to the lavatory. The wow factor of Acton Court is its raw authenticity and this takes one's breath away, unencumbered as it is by later alterations either by Georgians or Victorians. And even the internal furniture of the house has been stripped bare. And the beauty of this is that it allows your imagination to recreate the building as it was in the early 16th century. And importantly, it also gives you a great sense of how a house of the period flowed from the public chambers to the private. However, within all this, undoubtedly the feature of the house that is outstanding and utterly exceptional is the painted frieze, which runs around the upper wall of the middle or privy chamber. This painted frieze is contemporary to the building of the East Range and was created to impress its royal guests. It is completed in antique work and is thought to have been executed by a painter of considerable talent, possibly a court painter of French or Italian origin. 
Oh, and by the way, if you are ever fortunate enough to visit, you might want to look out for other features such as the Tudor Graffiti, which is scratched into a windowsill on the ground floor and dated 1589. Wow. Unfortunately, Acton Court is only open on very select days during the year, so accessibility is limited. If you want to get ahead and hear about any of these, I suggest heading over to the Acton Court website at www.actoncourt.com and subscribing to their newsletter. So that's all from me, Sarah, the Tudor Travel Guide. You can find out more about my Tudor adventures on my blog, which is located at www.thetudortravelguide.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then I'm delighted to tell you that in 2020, I shall be continuing the Tudor Travel Guide's eight set of Tudor places on YouTube. And so make sure you subscribe to my channel, The Tudor Travel Guide on YouTube to continue to follow my adventures. And that concludes this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. You can find my show notes from this episode and how to become a patron at tutorsdynastypodcast.com. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Patreon, Podbean, or anywhere you can find podcasts. Intro and outro music called Folk Round by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. Creative Commons license via filmmusic.io. Thanks for checking out the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. Read more. Read more on the blog at TudorsDynasty.com. Follow Tudor's Dynasty on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to Tudor's Dynasty on iTunes. Thanks for listening.